You're listening to Key Conversations for Leaders. This is episode number 34. Welcome, everybody. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the power of appreciation in increasing performance and engagement. We'll be covering the link between appreciation and engagement, why appreciation goes beyond recognition, and the number one feedback people don't want to hear, and much, much more. Leadership is about vision. It's about creating a vision and sharing that vision with others in a way that inspires them to walk with you towards its fulfillment. Along the way, leaders encourage, motivate, guide, and even challenge people to bring their best each and every day. And it's all done through conversations. That's what this show is about. Better conversations for better leaders. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Key Conversations for Leaders. I'm your host, John Ryan, and today we have a very special guest, Dr. Paul White. Dr. Paul is a psychologist, author, speaker, and consultant who makes work relationships work. He has written articles for and been interviewed by Bloomberg's Bloomberg's Business Week, CNN, Fortune.com, Entrepreneur.com, Fast Company, and many, many more. He is the co-author of three books, including The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, written with Dr. Kerry Chapman, author of the number one New York Times bestseller, The Five Languages, and we are certainly happy to have him here today. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Paul. You bet. I'm glad to be with you, John. You know, I wanted to ask you, you named your company uh, Appreciation at Work. Clearly, this is a, a passion for you. What was it that, that drew you to this topic? Well, you know, I'm a psychologist by training, and uh, I grew up in the context of a family-owned business outside of Kansas City. And so sort of have a unique uh, perspective that way and wound up going into consulting with family-owned businesses and dealing with the family issues uh, that are intertwined and largely around business succession kinds of things. And it was in that work that I saw that often uh, at that point, dad and uh, CEO and son or daughter um, and, you know, next gen were not connecting. And in fact, I had a situation where I asked the dad, I said, you know, how's the plan going? He says, it's going well. I think my son's stepping up. It's going to be fine. I walk across the hall, ask the son, and he says, this is a disaster. It's never going to work. It can't ever please my dad. And so did some investigation. And, and at that point, this is about 10 years ago or more, and um, found out, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on employee recognition, but it clearly wasn't working. Um, and so I uh, wanted to find out why and what we could do about it. And so uh, my wife and I had been impacted by the, the five love languages. So I pursued Dr. Chapman for a year and finally got to meet with him. And uh pitched the idea, and then we worked together on applying the, the concepts to work-based relationships. That's very, very exciting. And and I come from a, a family business background as well. And is that different? And I want to come back and talk about the five love languages of appreciation at work as well. Is it different when it's a family business and having that recognition because of the history? Or can we assume it's the same? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, it sort of depends what hat you're wearing, right, when you communicate. Because if it's, you know father or mother and son or daughter, you know, and it's that relationship. It may, you may, the five love languages, which are developed for personal relationships would seem to fit. Um, and whereas if it's, you know, in a business kind of setting and interaction, the five language of appreciation would fit more. And what's interesting is, I mean, they're the same in name, but they look different uh, in, in how they're applied. And so uh, we've actually done a little research and found out that, you know, a person's uh, love language is not necessarily their primary appreciation language in the workplace. So it, it, you know, it makes a difference. So 
maybe and in the personal relationship it could be the physical touch but not so much necessarily well i mean you can have a pat on the shoulder as well right, right. but maybe words of appreciation might be a better way exactly. to go in, in the workplace that that yep. makes sense what do you find is the link between you know appreciation recognition and employee performance and engagement well clearly uh i mean um the gal organization that, you know, interviewed and surveyed over a million people worldwide found that uh, appreciation, as opposed to recognition, we can differentiate those in a minute, but appreciation is one of the top four factors of employee engagement. And it's uh, actually often the one that's most difficult for organizations and leaders to change because you can, you know, involve people in decisions and and improve your communication style. But uh, until Recently, they've had a hard time figuring out how to uh, make people feel valued and appreciated because it, it was more focused on performance, uh, which is okay. But so, so appreciation is a key factor and it can make a big difference. And all those things that we know employee engagement uh, changes as far as, um, you know, staff turnover and uh, improving customer service ratings and um, job satisfaction, all that kind of thing. Would you mind sharing this the difference? Because I imagine a lot of managers think, well, I recognize my employees all the time. Isn't <laughs> sure. that appreciation? Yeah, well, it could be. They overlap for sure. But uh, recognition largely is about performance, right? And it, that's what it was designed to be. And it works well when it's designed and, and implemented consistently uh, to reward um, and call attention to you know, somebody that's done a good job uh, and maybe above and beyond even, or that they've reached goals. And so recognition is about getting the job done. Appreciation, we believe, and we really talk about authentic appreciation, um, is about the person. It's that because we're people, right? We're not just employees. We're not just work units. And yet a lot of employees feel like the the sole focus is just on production and they only hear something positive uh, if they've met or exceeded their goals. And yet, you know, life intertwines with work, as we know now more than ever. And so if we ignore the life aspect and the person aspect, we're really missing a, a lot of who that person is. And and one of the nice things, I mean, appreciation and recognition dovetail uh, together well, that if you have a good, you know, performance-based recognition program, but, but, but you need to fill in the gaps because recognition does not make people feel individually valued. And it wasn't designed to, but you know, sometimes there are periods in our life where we're not at the top of our game. Um, you know, I had twins early in my career, sleep deprivation of the max. You know, I was not the best, you know, counselor at that point in time, you know. And so did I need to be recognized for performance? No, I just needed support as a person, you know, and, and a little bit of encouragement. And the same thing, we have people, in fact, we know that recognition only top, touches about the top 10 to 15 percent of our work group. And usually it's the same people, right? They're sort of the stars. And so that leaves a big 50 to 60% of solid people. They're good people. They're working hard. They're just not, you know, your stars. And they don't hear anything. And so one important statistic is we know that 79% of the people who leave work voluntarily, they quit their job, cite a lack of appreciation as one of the key factors for them leaving. And so you put this big group at risk for checking out because they don't ever hear anything, but we can uh, show appreciation for them, um, sometimes about performance, but it can be about something else. I mean, 
appreciation can be about a characteristic that we value. Uh, per se, I like to work with cheerful people more than grumbly people, you know, and so I can show appreciation to somebody for saying, you know, Susie, you just got the, the coolest smile and laugh. I, I love to hear you light up the room, you know. Is it about performance? No, but does it mean something? Yes, and it, and it helps them feel valued and, and that they're noted as a person. I can see, I want to see, is there a correlation between like the recognition and like performance, like doing behavior versus appreciation and like a beingness or the qualities of that person? Like you said, like lighting up the room. Right. Right. And, and even, I mean, you know, we've done this with, you know, at least hundreds, if not thousands of organizations uh, where, you know, common issue is what, well, you know, should you show appreciation to somebody who's not really performing well? Well, if you want to keep them, you might want to, you know, and, and that there's sometimes, you know, we see the uh, ability and future in a person, they're not there now. And so you can appreciate somebody for something outside of work as well. I mean, you might have a, a colleague, uh, you know, who training for a 10K and say, man, that's cool that you're doing that. You got the self-discipline to do that. You know, I don't have that. Or a single mother and you say, man, uh, Josephine or whatever her name might be and say, you know, you're so committed to your kids and you just love your kids. It's just, you know, it's inspiration to me. And uh, and so is that about work? Is it about them? Yes. Is it going to, you know, create some loyalty and some connectedness for sure? So uh, yeah, it's, it's more about the person um, than just getting things done. It's, it's a really good point about, so am I supposed to appreciate someone if, if they're not performing? But I suspect if you really step back, well, you can appreciate their effort. You can appreciate their tenacity and they're still showing up and they're doing their best, even though they don't necessarily have those skills yet. Right. And I think there's the other side of, of I imagine people have expressed to you, but I don't want, if I appreciate everyone, then I, then it feels like I'm being unauthentic. If I just say good job to everyone, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. How do you find that balance? Well, actually we, we, yeah, I've got, I don't know what, a hundred thousand people on my newsletter list and we do polls occasionally. And one of the polls we asked is what don't you like to hear, you know, as far as words. And one of the top responses was good job. People don't want to hear it because it's too vague, it's too general. Anybody can say it about anybody else. It doesn't mean anything. And so we really teach, you know, we teach a model of, of how to be specific with people. You use a person's name, you say specifically what they've done that you value and how and why it's important to you or the organization. And the more specific you are, the more likely it's going to be viewed as authentic or genuine. The more vague you are, you're more likely to get into sort of being condemned as just being, you know, going through the motions. I think that's a really good point. It goes back to having the technique, the skills, the template, if you will, and then showing up and being authentic. It also sounds like it takes time. Like you really, you can't just do the boilerplate, good job. That doesn't add to the relationship that you have to really pay attention to your employees. And that makes the difference, I imagine. Yeah. And actually, I mean, so people often ask, you know, well, how do you know what a person's language of appreciation is? And you know, we've worked at it over time. And in the five love languages, Dr. Chapman talks about, you know, sort of you watch what they do to others and, you know, try to do that. That's fine in personal relationships. You don't have that many data points in the workplace of observing somebody showing appreciation, right? So that doesn't work. Obviously, remotely, it's tougher. Um, And also, we've found that only about 
75% time, which is decent, but uh, do people use the language that they actually want, okay? But, but more important than that is in the workplace, we found that it's not only the language, but the specific action that's important because a person may value quality time, which is you know spending time with somebody that's important to them. But for some people, it is getting together or uh, having some personal time uh, one-on-one with their supervisor or manager uh, that's less so. That used to be more of the case, but now it's more about getting together with peers and hanging out with their colleagues. And so you could get the language right and assume, and I tell managers, just because your, your team member has quality time as their language doesn't mean they want time with you, okay? So, you know, we can't make that. You may be great and all that, but I've had people say, ah, my manager is intense and I'm sort of shy. I don't want to, you know, I don't want time with them, but I want to go to lunch or go out afterwards. And so, we developed an online assessment that comes with the book. We've had 250,000 plus people take it uh, that identifies your primary language, your secondary, your least valued, which is sort of your blind spot. It's the one you don't think about that you're going to have team members about and then be able to identify not only the language, but the actions that are specific to each person on your team. So, and I know you do keynotes and, and a lot of leadership training. Um Walk us through a little bit, if you don't mind. So it sounds like the assessment is part of that that discussion with an organization. What would you mind sharing with our audience? Like, what are the five basic, you know, appreciation languages that that exist in the business context? Sure. And do they vary? Is there one that's more common than others, or is it pretty equal across the board? Yeah, no, the, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about that. So words of affirmation is actually the most common. It's uh, identified by 46% of the workforce as their primary language. Part of that, I think, is enculturation. Part of it's sort of easy to do, but nonetheless, words. And words can be, you know, just a personal compliment or a thanks. You got to be specific about it. But uh, also, it can be written, right, you know, through a text or an email or, a, uh, you know, a post-it note, and you leave it on somebody's desk. Um, but it, the issue is that you need to be specific about what they did and how it impacted you, the organization, your customer. You say, you know, Brian, thanks for getting your report done in and on time to me. Uh, that made it easy for me to turn my report around to my supervisor. And so thanks for doing that. Um, and, you know, if you get the action and, and the language right, it doesn't take a lot. It's not like you have to be doing this all the time. It's it's really sort of hitting the target versus sort of a shotgun approach. So one of the things we do know is that going up in front of a large group to be recognized is not often the way people want. I mean, we have 40, 40% at least of the general workforce don't want to go up in front of a large group to be recognized. And so that's actually a negative. Quality time is, like I said, either individual time uh, with your supervisor or hanging out with your friends. Key part is that it's with people that you want to <laughs> hang out with versus they want to hang out with you and you're not necessarily that interested. But, uh, and it's uh, 26% of the workforce. So it's second, but clearly less. So about one out of every four. And um, like I said, in the past, it was more related to who you report to, your supervisor and manager, but now it's more about colleagues and, and people you like to hang out with that way. Um, and then acts of service is 22%, so about one of out of every five employees. Acts of service isn't rescuing a, you know, a low-performing colleague. It's more, it, probably the best context is when you're on a time-oriented project that you're having to push to get it done and you, you know, you're just 
you know, really hammering it. Uh, what's somebody, something that somebody could do to help make that go better? And that could be, you know, could be bringing in, you know, dinner for you so you can keep on it. It could be sort of taking care of your daily tasks so you can focus on the, on, uh, the project that you're working on. Or it could be, you know, that you delegate part of it. Acts of service, a key part is that you need to do it in the way that they want and at the quality level that they want. It, one of the reasons that people don't like to hand that off is they're afraid it won't get done, you know, in the right way. So, um, but, you know, I had one CEO tell me, he said, my language is get her done. He said, don't give me stuff. Don't tell me stuff. Just help me get things done. I know you're on my team. And, uh, and these people, a lot of times words don't mean much. And, and that you can actually sort of waste, you know, sort of like words are cheap, you know, that kind of attitude. And so um, you can waste your time doing stuff that doesn't matter to them. Uh, fourth language is tangible gifts. And tangible gifts is an interesting one because that's where employee recognition programs focus a lot, you know, on giving things and rewards and all that. It's not in our model. It's not compensation. It's not bonuses or whatever, but it's really small things that are showing you getting to know the other person and what they like. So it could be, you know, their favorite kind of coffee, you know, you know, whether that's a pumpkin spice or whatever, uh, or a favorite snack could be maybe something about their sports team, you know, and remotely, you know, we've got, we're able to do this as well, but, you know, or you send them an article about, you know, maybe a player, you know, that they like, and it, it's a kind of gift, you know, that it's information. And so, it, but it's only 6% of the population. And, and it's interesting because one, I think a lot of companies waste a lot of money on gifts and rewards that don't impact but the way that you can make them more impactful is that you combine it with one of the other languages. So if, if their language is words, you make sure and you say something when you, about them or quality time. And so it makes those impactful because people said, you know, if I never hear anything, if you never stop by to check in, see how I'm doing, if I never get any help when I need it, and yet I get a gift, feels pretty superficial. And so uh, that's where that's at. And then physical touch, which is obviously the, the interesting one in the workplace of, uh, and it's largely spontaneous celebration, right? I mean, it's a high five uh, and, and we're talking pre-COVID days. I'll, I'll give an example here in the past, but, uh, or fist bump, you know, a pat on the back, maybe congratulatory handshake. Uh, it seems like a fist bump is the one that's going to stay for right now. We, uh, I've tried out a backhanded five, five, <laughs> doesn't really work. Doesn't feel the same, you know? So, uh, but the fist bump seems to be out there. And, and for some people, it's less than 1% of the population, but it differs regionally and culturally, right? So we have our materials in Spanish and, and Portuguese and other languages. And for our Latin American friends, you know, physical touch is more important. Also in the South, they're more likely to give side hugs. I mean, you're in Charlotte. You know, I worked with an organization that they merged New York and Charlotte, and these they did not know how to greet one another. <laughs> you know, it's just culturally it's really different because in New York, this is what a physical touch is like in New York. Hey, right? I mean, that's it, right? So sort of from a distance. So that's what's up with those. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that that comprehensive overview and giving us the relative percentages. And, and in the end, the percentages help, but knowing the individual employees, what their preferred language of appreciation really is, is what matters. You yeah. also mentioned um, remote work. And I know yeah. you just finished or are finishing touches right now on a, a big research project you're doing on remote work. What are some of the concerns that managers need to really be thinking about in relation to showing appreciation in the context of remote work? 
Yeah, actually, we did research uh, a few years ago before the COVID uh, and big working from home movement to look at how people who work remotely, if they differed in how they wanted to be shown appreciation. And, um, and it ties into what we've done since about what's going on with working from home employees and what they're concerned about. I think that the biggest practical issue for managers and leaders is that um, the default kind of communication when you're working remotely goes primarily to tasks and work. I mean, you're, you're getting together, you're having a conference call and you're working on a project or, you know, a budget or whatever, and it's pretty work oriented. And you don't have those sort of informal interactions where you, you know, walk by somebody's office and you stick your head in and say, Hey, how's it going? Or you don't run into them in the break room or coming in from, you know, the parking lot or whatever. And so all those sort of informal conversations about personal stuff, about sports, you know, about how their kids are doing, what they do over the weekend, there's no sort of automatic space for that. And so it's really important. Uh, and I mean, this is what they say, you know, it's, I'm not just a, you know, a performer. I've got a life, and especially working from home. And if, you know, finding out how that's going with the kids, you know, at school and so forth. Uh, is really important. And so making space, and it can be as simple as maybe texting or emailing somebody and say, hey, I'd like to check in for five or 10 minutes. When would be a good time? Because one of the things we found is people are reluctant to just do it because they don't know what the other person's doing, right? And so they don't want to interrupt them. But if you sort of find out, set up a time and just chat. Um, And a, a part about that is that it's important, I think, for leaders to share some about themselves. Otherwise it feels like interrogation. You know, it's like, oh, what'd you do this weekend? How are your kids? How's your wife? Whatever. Versus saying, you know, hey, I got to go sailing this weekend. It was fun. Or how about those chiefs? I'm from I'm the Midwest. You know, and so, you know, so you you offer some of yourself as well. And and people are more willing to share um, versus if you're just, you know, sort of bombarding them with questions. That's a really important Thing because I can see how it can be very transactional, task oriented, project oriented. But you're taking that time that sounds like it goes into quality of time and and just really spending time with that person, which you don't get if you don't really make the time. So that's that's a really important point. Thank you for yeah. And we that. you know another way to deal with that is to sort of open up a conference call or a Zoom call or whatever ahead of time and let people get on and chat because that's what happens in real life. People show up a little bit early, some of them, and they'll chat for a few minutes or hang on afterwards and, and catch up as well. So it doesn't have to be boom, 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 you know, moving on. We had um, a gentleman on, on the podcast named Fahim. He said, really, like conferences, the power of the conference is not just the meetings. It's not the breakouts. It's right. the water cooler. It's, right. it's all the conversations that are happening. So having that meeting ahead of time and opening it up, it sounds like a really great idea to kind of accomplish that task without being in person, which you can't always do. Is there a disconnect? Is there any um, mismatching that you see between, like right now, what employers are doing, managers, leaders are doing, and what employees need, especially in this remote work environment that we live in? Yes and no. It sort of it it depends on the employer and maybe on the industry, but I find, generally speaking, that a, some more production oriented 
industries and companies are focusing on that and talking about efficiencies and you know the financial saving of not having to have a you know uh, you know an actual office. And man, if they do not pay attention to the relationship side of it, they're going to have a, a, a rude awakening because within three to six months, people are going to be leaving and very dissatisfied. And we're already seeing that. Um, and those that are a little bit more relational oriented and sensitive to the needs of that and are setting up some, uh, you know, just team meetings just to get together and chat. You know, I mean, sometimes you set up and or like for us, most of uh, our team is in one place. And so we will actually get together physically once every couple of weeks um, just to have that interaction. And I think there's a real risk for the companies that are focused on the efficiencies and the productivity and miss the, the personal side of things that uh, things are going to fall apart for. So this is, I mean, a key ingredient. It's not just about having the people and having the assets. It's really about the relationships. And if you don't build appreciation, recognition, acknowledgement of the people that are involved, it sounds like I mean, the, the company is potentially going to fall apart to some degree. Well, think about how difficult communication is when we when we meet with one another. And, you know, it, I mean, there's miscommunication that happens all the time. If you take out a key aspect of either availability or being able to see and sort of read people's nonverbals, you know, miscommunication is going to increase, which leads to poor decisions or bad implementation or uh, misunderstandings, which relates to conflict and tension, which then decreases communication. I mean, it just becomes a negative snowball uh, that we're going to have to sort of watch out for. When you think about the frequency that managers are meeting with employees and, and having these conversations, is there ever a point where it, it's too much? Or is there an ideal frequency of that? Well, yeah. Is there too much? Yeah. I mean, if you're interfering with their ability to get their work done, right? Uh, but I've never heard anybody complain about feeling appreciated too much, right? I mean, so that I don't think that's a worry. I, you know, and you, you, I have people say, well, they're going to become satiated and all that. It's like that can be true for rewards because the reward loses its impact and meaning. But I think when you have a personal relationship, I think it's, it's pretty rare if ever that that happens. Uh, it's really part largely a factor of um, your relationship, who they are. Some people need more encouragement than others, but I think if you are focusing on communicating in the way that's meaningful to them, the, you're going to hit the target. You're going to know you're good to go. The problem is when people just do the shotgun approach, we're going to send emails and, you know, thank you cards to everybody. And we're going to, you know, stop by and see everybody. There are a lot of people who say, you know, I do not want you to stop by and see me. I mean, so we got to, we got to do what's important for each person. It sounds to me like rewards that might have diminishing returns. When you do that blanket, good job, yeah. that's where you're going to have diminishing return as well. But I think you're saying if you really spend the time and deliver it in the way, for example, that you teach with specificity, with contacts and impact, using their name and having that heart to heart, that that's going to be welcome. Because I agree, the research shows that people are not connecting with their bosses. They're afraid to talk. And there's a relationship breakdown that's that's there. What would you say to a manager that that is out of practice and maybe has some anxiety or apprehension about instituting this if for fear of being inauthentic. Yeah. 
Well, it, it's a reasonable fear. I mean, I've had some people say, well, that's the first positive thing I've heard out of that guy's mouth in five years, you know, and am I supposed to believe it? And so I, I think the, the trick is this, or, you know, the step is to start somewhere with somebody. You know, a lot of, you know, I work with computer scientists and engineers and regular engineers, and they want to do a spreadsheet and get it all planned out. And then they never actually get to implement it. So it's usually start somewhere with somebody, Start with words because that's the easiest. If you're a little bit shy or, you know, uncomfortable personally, you know, write it. I mean, email or text. That way you can sort of, you know, word it correctly and send it when you want. Um, and sometimes, uh, I mean, I, I, I've talked to people about sort of three groups to look for, either to start with as far as one is just your right-hand person that, you know, it's just pretty easy. You know what you value about them. It'd be pretty easy just to do it. And it's an easy win for you. Secondly, if you got a really key team member, you don't want to lose, you better make sure you're doing something pretty soon because they're on the trading block. And then third, just somebody that's discouraged, right? That they need some encouragement and encouragement and appreciation are largely the same action, but their focus of time is different. Appreciation is about the past, about what we appreciate and value that they've done. Encouragement is the present and the future that we're coming alongside while they're working on a challenging project and keep hitting obstacles and say, man, hang in there. You're doing a good job. And I really saw how you, you know, you asked for help and got help, you know. And so start there and um, you'll see that it actually you get some pretty positive feedback fairly quickly and it's uh, rewarding and encouraging to continue. What's been the most rewarding thing for you in doing this work? Hmm. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me. So, you know, we've sold over 500,000 books, you know, which is significant, you know, 250,000 people take our inventory. We have over 900 certified trainers. We've developed an online train the trainer process that individuals within organization can take and then take their teams through. And just the fact that it continues to grow and spread word of mouth is really encouraging to me. So it means that there's some value there. Um, and uh, and so that's fun. And to be able to hear individual stories that come out, we have a mining group in South Dakota and Wyoming, Colorado that, you know, they're hard hat guys, the cement truckers and and uh, um, and the miners, they, they wanted, we have little icons of each uh, language and they wanted stickers to put on their helmets, you know? And so just little things like that, that, it's like, oh, yeah, they got it and they, and they like it. So that's fun. I, I really uh, appreciate that. That's, that's very, very powerful. You know, it seems to me as we're, as we're talking here that really some of these are words, right? Some of these are written, some of these are acts of service and other things to get that appreciation across. It's really about a conversation, you know, and this podcast is about conversations. Just kind of wondering when you think back in, in your life, what was one of the most significant, if you can remember, um, conversations that you've had where maybe you felt appreciated or inspired that it, that has shaped you and, and kind of led you to where you are right now? Yeah, you know, uh, this isn't a singular one, but professionally, what I one of the things I've done over time is I evaluate students that have learning difficulties, so ADHD and dyslexia and all that. And I've evaluated, I don't know, 4,000 plus students over the years. And to run into somebody at some kind of event, it could be the grocery store or, you know, soccer game or something, and they'll they'll introduce themselves because I, I might remember their face, but I'm not going to remember the name. And they'll say, you know, I just want to let you know how much that when you did the evaluation and helped us figure out our student and gave us a pathway to go, 
that changed the course of their life and how we understood them. And so, you know, that, that, that keeps me going on that. And, and the same thing when dealing with families and businesses. Um, I mean, I had one organization that said, you've changed our culture, you know, and we are functioning so much better. And I, I think that's an important message to managers is that this is not just about making people feel good. I mean, that's nice, but it really may, the goal is to help the organization function better where you have less turnover, less conflict, better productivity. Um, people, there's just a positive energy that goes and helps you get things done. Customers sense it and, and, and feel it. And so it's, don't get hung up on the feeling aspect. It's more about let's help people relate together and work together well so that we get the job done that we want to. Fantastic. Dr. Paul, what's the best way for people to find out more about your work and to stay connected? Yeah, so uh, our sort of mothership website is appreciationatwork.com, and it's the word at, so appreciationatwork.com. Or you can just Google me. I'm pretty easy to find Dr. Paul White and put appreciation in there. We have a blog that we put out weekly that gives information uh, about all this um, and a bunch of free videos and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I would encourage them to take a look. And we give a code for taking the inventory uh, with the book. You also can just buy groups of codes for people. Not everybody's going to want to read the book, you know, and so we can do that. We have a remote version that's uh, the actions are specific for long distance kinds of acts and words and so forth. And actually even created a a virtual training uh, process that people can do via video conference. So appreciationatwork.com is where it's at. Fantastic. Thanks so much. I'll put all those links in the show notes. Again, Dr. Paul White, thank you so much for being here. You bet, John. Thanks for having me. And for those of you watching, until next time, develop yourself, empower others, and lead by example. Thanks for listening to Key Conversations for Leaders with your host, John Ryan. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know. Give us a rating or write a review. For more tools to engage, inspire, and empower yourself and others, visit keyconvo.com. If you haven't already, you can connect with me on Twitter at Key Convo and on LinkedIn under John Ryan Leadership.